It's better to want what you have than to have what you want. Pastor Xavier Reese on covetousness. The Proverbs puts it this way. There are three things that are never satisfied. Four never say enough. The grave, the barren womb, the earth that is not satisfied with water, and the fire never says enough. This is a good picture of a person who's covetous. It's never ending. It just can't be satisfied. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Let us walk properly, as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy. Paul urged believers in Romans 13 to not make provisions for the flesh, nor fulfill its lusts. And in a Simple Truth study of Exodus 20:17 and the Tenth Commandment, Pastor Xavier delivers more cautions against covetousness with a message titled, A Safeguard Against Envy. Let's listen. Did you ever read the bumper sticker, He Who Dies With The Most Toys Wins? This is a slogan and the mantra of a covetous person. Very naive, very selfish, very greedy, a very shallow person in its view of life. The Ten Commandments, as you know, are universal commands required of all mankind by the authority of the Creator as He spoke them out. Because He created all, all are subject to these moral commandments. The fact that mankind has rejected, suppressed, or altered them to fit their immoral lifestyle or evil from generation to generation does not alleviate them from the responsibility before God. The Ten Commandments, as you know, are not given to provide salvation. They are being given to a person and people who were saved already. But they reveal the capacity of the heart that can only obey them as that person has a personal relationship with God. Motivated by love. It's the only way that can be kept. If God asks you to, to keep something, then he's going to give you the means by which to do it. He's never going to ask you to do something you cannot do. He would be the author of confusion. It would be unjust. And so as he asks these people there, they can do it by a love relationship through him. There's the key. Now, the proclamation is an appeal to obedience, to receive the benefit of abundant life and peace. And this is what God wants to do for your life as you have a relationship with Jesus Christ to teach you how to live abundantly and with peace. Regardless of the situation, the scenario, where you live at. Christianity is not based upon the circumstance we live under. It is despite what we live under. That's Christianity. Did you know that as you walk up the steps of the building which houses the U.S. Supreme Court. You can see near the top of the building a row of the world's lawgivers, and each one is facing one in the middle who is facing forward with full frontal view. It is Moses, and he is holding the Ten Commandments. If you've ever been to Washington, all these things you can see. Do you know that as you enter the Supreme Court, the two huge oak doors have the Ten Commandments engraved on each lower portion of each door. Do you know that as you sit inside the courtroom, you can see the wall 
right above where the Supreme Court judges sit, a display of the Ten Commandments. James Madison, the fourth president known as the father of our Constitution, made the following statement. I'm quoting. We have staked the whole of all of our political institutions upon the capacity of mankind for self-government, upon the capacity of each and all of us to govern ourselves, to control ourselves, to sustain ourselves according to the Ten Commandments of God. Patrick Henry, that patriot and founding father of our country, said, quote, It cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often that this great nation was founded not by religionists, but by Christians, not on religions, but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Every session of Congress, it begins with prayer by a paid preacher whose salary has been paid by the taxpayers since 1777 to the present day. Thomas Jefferson worried about the courts that would overstep their authority and instead of interpreting the law would bring and begin making laws as they have. He was so accurate. Judges do not make laws. Congress does. But things have happened in the last two decades. How then... Have we gotten to this point that everything we have done for 232 years in this country is now suddenly wrong and unconstitutional? All of Washington, D.C. is laid out on a cross. Scriptures are on every monument, on the Liberty Bell, the Year of Jubilee, on the top of the Washington Monument, you have praise be to God. You can only see it from the top. (laughs) Amazing. The Ten Commandments, you shall not covet, is the final of our series. We have looked at nine. And like the others, we want to examine it from a threefold perspective. The proclamation of the commandment, the interpretation of the commandment, and then we'll finish with the protection by the commandment. Let's begin here with the proclamation of the Tenth Commandment. Notice the Tenth Commandment, once again, is the sixth in the second table of the law, the second table indicating the dealing with man, right conduct, righteousness. This is important. We want to make sure we treat each other the way we're supposed to, the way God has declared. The second table is a result, remember, of the first. That's the source of all relationship, that vertical axis, and we can't ever miss that. We can't hear it enough. If I'm not right with God, I'll never be right with you. And so I need to understand that. The second table, as we said before, is a parallel to the first. The first commandment being the foundation of the next three and an extension of the first. And likewise, the fifth commandment being the foundation of the last five and an extension of that fifth. The first two deal with thoughts and they parallel here again the tenth. Only that which God knows and sees. The third deals with words and parallels the ninth, as we've seen. And the fourth deals with deeds and parallels the sixth, the seventh, and the eighth. Now, the ten words or commandments, again, begin and they end with thoughts. What God alone knows. There are no laws in human history to prohibit 
a man's thoughts or desires or wants. Never has been and never are in the present. Why? Simple reason. Man can't judge them. The only one that can demand it is someone who knows the heart, someone who knows everything. The psalmist puts it this way, Psalm 94, 11. He says, the Lord Yahweh knows the thoughts of man that they are futile, empty, vain. You see, the 10th commandment is based, once again, like the others, in the Judeo-Christian understanding that every person works to live. Every person has to prepare themselves for living in life. And that means working in life. Your values, your ethics will determine your choice. Your level of education will often determine your income, depending on opportunity and choice. Your work ethic will determine your honesty and your trustworthiness. Every person is not going to have the same trade or profession as you know. Some will do manual labor, blue-collar work. Others will be technical people, white-collar, and still others will be professionals, doctors, lawyers, engineers, so on and so forth. And so understanding this, then I need to understand as a young person that I can go as far as I want, especially in America. That's why foreigners come here and get a long ways off from where they come from because they know this is the land of opportunity. But these are choices that we make by our decisions and opportunities we have. Every person is not going to live by the same priorities and values, regardless of where you are on these other things we've mentioned. Some will live very frugal, being good stewards, whether they have a little or a lot. Others, not so frugal. And still others will live beyond their means, buying what they cannot afford, nor should they have, and they'll always be struggling. Every person then has the right to enjoy the fruit of their labor accordingly. Having worked hard and knowing that no one has the right to take that or to possess that. These are simple, basic things. The Proverbs puts it this way in Proverbs 30, verse 15 through 16. Um, the leash has two daughters. Give, give. There are three things that are never satisfied. Four never say enough. The grave, the barren womb, the earth that is not satisfied with water, and the fire never says enough. And this is a good picture of a person who's covetous. It's never ending. It just can't be satisfying. I learned contentment from my father. Very basic, simple man. He didn't put much stock in riches. Hard worker. And uh, he would help you out. He would do whatever. The Tenth Commandment is based on the Judeo-Christian understanding that man is not to live for material things then. If we understand the first priorities, then we understand that we don't live for these things. The reason being that money in itself, as you know, does not bring happiness nor satisfaction. There are a lot of wealthy people that are very, very unsatisfying. I know people who are very, very wealthy, and, uh, and they just can't seem to get their hand on happiness or satisfaction. In fact, money can create more and bigger problems. Money cannot always solve the problems of life, though we think it can 
certainly pay your bills, but um, it opens a lot of doors that really cause you more problems if you are not disciplined. Another reason is that pleasure is temporary and fleeting. If um, you've been around the block a couple of times, you know that. Jesus said in Luke 12, 12 through 15, then one of the crowds said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Stop and think about it. When you die, you're going to take nothing with you. Everything you work for, you're going to leave to someone else. That may make you happy. That may make you kind of sad. But uh, it's the truth either way. They're not even going to bury you with your shoes. The trouble with the world is that too many people try to go through life with a catcher's mitt, has been said, on both hands. <laughs> more, 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 more. So a thought. Reap an act, so an act, reap a deed, so a deed, reap a habit, so a habit, reap a character, so a character, reap a destiny. Some people live like this all the time, even in Christ, very dangerous. The heart of coveting is envy. It's outgrowth is to be a very covetous person. Listen to Proverbs 14, 30. A sound heart is life to the body, but envy is rottenness to the bones. You just, you just can't be at peace because of what your brother has or what your uh, cousin has or what your friend has. or You, you know, you're just uh, it's terrible. Envy is one of the works of the flesh in Galatians 5, 21, which no one will inherit the kingdom of God. Paul tells Titus 3.3, 3, For we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. That's where we used to be, one way or the other. In fact, James 3.14-16 through 16 says, But if you have bitter envy and seeking, self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast or lie against the truth. The wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. It only leads to greater things, you understand? The Christian is still capable, as you know, of being covetous through envy due to the ever-present sin nature that's with us until the Lord takes us home. I wish to God I could tell you as your pastor that there's a cruise control somewhere up the road. It isn't. I haven't found it. I've been at it for 35 years. It is from the heart that proceeds evil thoughts, Jesus said, fornication, so on and so forth in Matthew 15, 19. Peter exhorts the saints in 1 Peter 2, 1 through 3. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as we newborn babes desire the milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. So it's that yielding, that, that desiring for the right things, God, the things of God, and not the things of my flesh. 
Paul rebuked the Corinthians for their carnality in 1 Corinthians 3, 3. For you are still carnal, for where there is envy, strife, divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? And they had all the gifts of the Spirit. You can have all the gifts of the Spirit and be 100% beef. They're not credentials for your spirituality. They're simply gifts for the edification of the body. Paul commands to the Romans in Romans 13, 13. Let us walk properly as in the, de- in the day, not in revelry or drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy. These are Christians he's talking to. If there is no capacity, then why is Paul talking to them like this? The proclamation of the 10th commandment declares man has an evil heart. Ladies and gentlemen, now the interpretation of the Tenth Commandment is very specific prohibition here. Uh, first, in the general sense, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, it says. The Tenth Commandment is in the negative, again, and it is also found in Deuteronomy 5.21. The first three in the first table and the last five in the second table of the Decalogue are in the negatives as we noted. The fourth and the fifth are the only positive ones. Now, the tenth commandment, like all the others, is addressed to who? The people of God. This is the context. These are the Jews. They're there at the foot of Mount Sinai. They've heard the voice of God. They've been brought out of Egypt, redeemed. That's who he's talking to. The prohibition is personal, individual. You shall Not like all the others. God commanded every Jew. God spoke audibly, distinctly. They heard, they understood. The prohibition is indicated by the word covet. It means to desire. To take pleasure in or to delight. Also used in Deuteronomy. Now, in Deuteronomy, wife is before house. It's reversed. In Deuteronomy 5.21. But remember, it's not a different law. In Deuteronomy, Moses is giving the law to the second generation that is going to inherit the land. Because the first generation wandered for 40 years. So there's no distinction between it. It is not wrong to desire something, as you know. Provided it is permitted and lawful for you to possess the object that you're desiring. The context will determine whether the desire is good or evil. Now the law was spiritual. And not merely mechanical or external. And this is what Jesus was teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. You have heard that it has been said, but I say unto you. Because the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they say, well, as long as you don't do it, you're okay. Jesus says, no, you've got it wrong. The law is spiritual. And Paul picks this out when he's talking about his autobiographical sketch there in Romans 7. He says, that that I don't want to do, I end up doing. That that I end up doing, I don't want to do. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? And he picks this commandment, the 10th. And he says, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. Perish the thought, God forbid. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law. For I would not have known covetousness unless the law said you shall not covet. He picks the one that only God sees to demonstrate the law is spiritual. Whether we do it or not, if it's in the heart, that's where it starts, right? That's what he's talking about. 
The prohibition of coveting against your neighbor regards his house. Don't miss that. Neighbor is the same word as in the ninth, companion, friend, fellow citizen. The word house simply means the dwelling, the habitation. Deuteronomy adds not desire, a different word meaning to crave, to long, or to lust after, which just emphasizes the sin that is uh, not being permitted here. Now, the implication being all that is contained in the property, as we will see the itemized list that follows. That's what the indication is. The responsibility of each person, each member of the covenant community here in Mount Sinai, was to have the highest regard for the possessions of the community. One of the very evident decays of a society, the last stages, is no respect for private property. We see this throughout our nation. We see this through the world. I, I was over in, in, in Portugal, Lisbon. There's graffiti there. I was in the jungles of, 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 uh, of Cancun. There's graffiti on the pyramid. Everywhere. This is not a national problem. This is not a regional problem. This is a world problem, like the Bible says in the last days. The same word is used by Yahweh for the inheritance of the land that he was going to give them. And they were afraid that perhaps when they went three times a year to worship, then the inhabitants would take their land. Same word. Listen to him in Exodus 34, 24. He says, For I will cast out the nations before you and enlarge your borders. Neither will any man covet your land when you go up to appear before the Lord Yahweh, your God, three times in a year. Wasn't that great? You wouldn't have to lock your doors. You wouldn't have nothing. God, God's just there with a big old sword. Whack, get out of there. That's great. The Tenth Commandment, like all others, is a warning to man then. Why? Because he's a sinner. The prohibition is against the sinful nature of the evil heart of man. Any way you want to search it out. That's the bottom line. The source of the problem is the heart. The lust of the flesh. The process is through the windows of the soul, the lust of the eye. And the principle of the sin nature of man is the pride of life. Man is envious and self-seeking, desiring what is not rightfully his and figuring out how to get it. <laughs> you know, thieves are smart. If they would put the same energy on how to get things that don't belong to them, they could probably make a great living. But, but they, it's sometimes just a challenge to get what's not theirs, right? First Thessalonians 2, 5, Paul told them this. For neither at any time did we use flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak of covetousness. God is our witness. And he calls God to bear this witness. Because I can say that to you, but you can't read my heart. He says, and I bear, God bears us witness. Wow. The prohibition is wrong because the desire is to obtain what is not rightfully theirs. Due either to greed, laziness, envy, or just the mere challenge. Some people don't need it. It's just a challenge. Let's see if I can do it. And once they get it, it doesn't matter. It's the adrenaline rush. 2 Peter 2.3 says, By covetousness, they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time, their judgment has not been idle, and their destruction does not slumber. No one gets away with anything. 
And the reason people live this way is they really don't believe that God exists and they have to give an account. Pastor Xavier Reese pauses in the 10th message of our series of the Ten Commandments as we've reached our time allotment for today's study on covetousness. And there's much more of this message to come next time. But if your schedule permits you to tune in, as always, you can pick up a copy. And the title you want to ask for is simply A Safeguard Against Envy. It's available on CD for just $4. And this might be a study you'd like to pass on to someone in your church or Bible study when you're through. Now, once again, the title to ask for is A Safeguard Against Envy, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 